Welcome back to Storical, my dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed the tale of the Glass King and the Glass Princess. This week, we're going to go deep on one of the most mysterious aspects of the legend of Joan of Arc, her voices. Who were the saints whispering in Joan's ear about her divine destiny? The three saints she identified were St. Michael the Archangel, St. Margaret of Antioch, and St. Catherine of Alexandria. Regardless of whether you believe Joan was telling the truth about the voices and believe they were speaking to her, or you think that she made it up to be taken seriously and allowed into the military, these three saints were very fitting for the time period. St. Michael is one of the patron saints of France, and at the time Joan was around, the very first chivalric order was formed there, and it was, you guessed it, the Order of St. Michael. St. Margaret and St. Catherine were early Christian martyrs, and most importantly, virgins. During the Crusades and the Middle Ages in general, they were some of the most popular saints as they were held up as women that girls should look up to. What I'm saying here is that there are literally thousands of saints. My people, the Catholics, we love our saints. So it's interesting that these were the three that she believed were speaking to her. They were saints everyone at the time would have known, including her, an illiterate peasant in Dome Remy. Now, let's get into their personal stories, because that's even more symbolic and fascinating when we think about Joan's story. We're going to start with my favorite saint, my confirmation saint, St. Michael the Archangel. In Roman Catholicism, there are three archangels, basically the top angels that God sends on special missions. That's Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. In other texts, there are more archangels, but we're just talking Catholic today because that's the religion Joan and pretty much everyone else at the time adhered to. Michael is top dog in this arrangement. His name literally translates to who is like God. His main claim to fame is that he's the angel who kicked Lucifer out of heaven and led the battle against the other fallen angels. He's the leader of God's angel army. And in the Bible, when he's mentioned, they call him a prince. I mentioned this in the Joan of Arc episode, But when my parents made me get confirmed, I chose St. Michael for two reasons. First off, I had an imaginary friend named Michael when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure I thought I was talking to St. Michael. And then when my parents made me go to church, I hated it. I just could not deal. But I loved a stained glass window of St. Michael because he had this really great sword and the devil at his feet. So I felt like he was a good angel to throw your lot in with. Again, I'm Irish and Italian. So even as a bad Catholic, the Catholic runs deep. And maybe this all sounds crazy to you, but to me, it just sounds like childhood. Two things that I did not know about St. Michael, however, are that he's actually the angel of death because he's the one that comes to help you out when you die by giving you a chance to repent so you can go to heaven. And secondly, kind of along the same lines, apparently when the terrifying chapter of Revelations comes to pass, you know, with the beast and whatnot, St. Michael is the one that's going to judge you. I just assumed that was St. Peter. So again, very happy with my confirmation angel choice. Michael was the angel who first appeared to Joan and came to her many times before she even realized who he was. Given what we just learned about Michael, very symbolic for her mission. Okay, next let's talk about St. Margaret. So like many of the early Christian saints, she didn't actually exist. And you'll see why in a second. Margaret was born in Antioch, which is modern-day Syria, and her father was a pagan priest. Margaret's nurse, however, was Christian, so Margaret was brought up in the faith. She took a vow of chastity and converted fully to Christianity. This did not go over well with her father. He disowned her completely, and as if that wasn't enough, Margaret, 
a beautiful girl, she was only like 15 when she died, caught the eye of some sort of Roman prefect. His exact station is unknown, but someone high up there. She, of course, refused on account of being married to Jesus. They forced her to renounce her faith, and she refused. So what'd they do? Why, they tortured her, of course. This was about 300 years after Jesus was crucified, and they were still very much into those highly inventive ways of killing people. Here's where her story gets murky. They tried to burn her, but the flames went out when they touched her skin. Then she was tempted by the devil, disguised as a dragon, and when she refused again, she was swallowed by said dragon, but managed to escape because the cross she was wearing burned the dragon's insides. They were like, okay, let's toss her into a boiling cauldron. But miraculously, she survived that too. So then the Romans were like, cool, just cut off her head. And that's what did her in. She's often referred to as St. Margaret the Virgin, so you can imagine why she'd appeal to people during Joan's time. Anyway, fun little aside, St. Margaret is the patron saint of Queen's College at Cambridge, and that was named after her. All right, the last saint that spoke to Joan was St. Catherine of Alexandria, and her story actually has a lot of similarities to Joan. But again, she probably did not exist, and scholars think that her story may be based on a Greek philosopher and astronomer named Hypatia, who was killed by a Christian mob. So there's that. The other theory is that she was based on Dorothea of Alexandria, who definitely did exist and had been propositioned by the emperor at the time. But first, let's get into Catherine's story. Catherine was a noble, maybe even a princess, and lived in Alexandria in modern-day Egypt. Alexandria was one of the most learned and culturally relevant cities in the world at the time. And as a member of the nobility, Catherine was highly educated. At some point, she had a vision of Mary and converted to Christianity. Of course, around this time, Emperor Maxentius began persecuting Christians. So Catherine went up to him, I'm assuming she had access because she was on the royal tier, and chastised him for being so cruel. He told her he would give her a royal marriage if she denounced her faith. And it's unclear if that meant marriage to him or he wanted her to be a concubine, but that really happened with Dorothea. So again, a little bit of haziness with the story. Catherine, of course, refused. So then Maxentius sent in all his most learned scholars to debate her and prove Christianity was wrong. She won the debate. Again, reflections of what happened to Joan as well when she was on trial. Catherine was so convincing, the scholars converted to Christianity and were then immediately put to death. While she was in prison, she converted more than 200 people. She even converted Maxentius's wife. All of them, though, were put to death. When enough was enough, he had her tortured on a spiked wheel. But when she touched it, the wheel splintered and broke. So like Margaret, she got beheaded. They also both died around roughly the same time, circa AD 305. Now here's where Catherine gets even more important to the Jones story. First off, Catherine wasn't even mentioned in any surviving sources prior to the year 600. But according to her legend, after she was beheaded, the angels came down and flew her body to Mount Sinai for burial. In 800, so still a few hundred years removed from Joan of Arc, it was purported that St. Catherine's body was found. They said that if you touched her body, a healing oil would be emitted. So people in the Middle Ages were all about pilgrimages to Catherine, including two priests from Rouen. Catherine, like Margaret, was hugely popular. There's another college at Cambridge named after her, and throughout the Middle Ages, both Catherine and Margaret were seen as the best role models for girls because they were chaste. Catherine and Margaret are also two of the 14 helper saints called the 14 holy helpers. 
This circle of helpers sprang up in the 1400s because of none other than the plague. This was the crew of saints you called out to for help and protection during a very tumultuous time. And again, only half of those helpers actually are confirmed to have existed. So there you have all three of her voices. And it's very interesting that out of all of them, Joan was actually the only saint to have lived. But now that we've gone through each of their stories, they make total sense as the saints she believed were guiding her on her mission. That's all I have for you today. Tune in next week for our last episode in our series on Joan of Arc, where we talk about how Joan went from heretic to patron saint of France. (laughs) 